tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries Podcast. Uh, it's been a road getting here. Yeah, it sure has. So let's go back three weeks. I, yeah. So so three weeks ago, we were supposed to record our episode about Unsolved Mysteries Season 7. Is this episode three or four? Uh, Four? Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. And yeah. uh, you were very ill with the stomach flu, and you let me know you were not feeling well. We don't need to get into more detail, please. But I said, hey, man, no problem. It'll be a tight turnaround. We'll just record next weekend. Feel better. Get some rest. I had a headache, too. So I was just like, you know what? Forget it. We'll put a pin in it. We'll record next weekend. Yeah. Um, and the reason that we t- we are kind of limited to the weekends is because you and I basically have opposite work schedules you're working swing shift which means you're going to work right about when i'm getting home does that sound Mm. right well a graveyard shift but uh yeah yeah and i work a nine to five or nine to six on some days and um so the weekends are kind of like when we have time to record so then we recorded last weekend successfully so i thought uh we Gave our recap of this episode, you know, season seven, episode three or four of Unsolved Mysteries. And I sent, we sent our audio files to our producer, Connor. Connor writes, you know, and we're not giving him a lot of time to turn it around, but he says, I can do, you know, I can do it. No problem. But Crystal, hey, your audio files corrupted. Mind taking another look at it. And I did. And it was corrupted beyond repair. There was nothing Connor. I mean, it was a completely lost episode you have no no idea i was just remembering as, as you were talking about free kids being like a small child making a first, first aid kit i'm like it, where am i wandering out? out i live in suburbs and that has never happened to us before no ever i mean we've had some shitty audio <laughs> and some problems but this was just echoey uh there was there was nothing that could have been done for connor to fix this and so we lost an entire episode and that was last weekend so of course on the feed i put you know here's a rerun because we had to scramble to figure out what to do so then in preparation for us re-recording our recap season seven episode three or four i ran some audio tests yesterday i did some recordings of myself reading from straight shooting the autobiography by robert stack and I was able to replicate the same corrupted file error. The recording sounded terrible. And I'm trying to, you know, I was, I was talking with Dave, my husband. I'm like, what do you think's going on here? Something's really wrong. And he's like, well, I took a look at your computer. It seems like you have plenty of free disk space. So it's not a low memory issue. And he's like, hey, when's the last time you restarted? <laughs> Wait, What? <laughs> He said, when's the last time you restarted your computer? Yes. I said, you know, it's been a while. So I come back into my recording area and I restart the computer and I re-record some readings from 
Straight Shooting by Robert Snack. And wouldn't you know, restarting it completely fixed the problem. So do you just let your computer go to sleep? Yeah, I just put it to sleep. All the time? Yeah. Because uh, I typically turn my computer off when I'm done. I mean, sometimes... I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay. And this is this is the irony, which is, you know, every time you have a technical issue and you have to like call call the ch- the hotline or the chat line to try and fix a computer thing. What do they what is the first thing they always tell you to do? Restart your computer. Right. And this was the one time that this that actually fixed something. <laughs> but I feel very dumb that all I had to do to salvage, I mean, I didn't know the file was corrupted until Connor listened to it, but yeah, all I had to do was restart. So And now you ha- your computer chair broke. Yes. And so what so what's what's your situation now? Well, it, it was broken last week, but I like managed to just precariously perch myself mm-hmm. uh-huh. onto uh on it, and as long as I like with my hands grasping onto the desk mm-hmm. keep keep myself completely immobile except for my mouth yeah, like as if you were my cat and we were trying to get you off the bed <laughs> precisely um yeah. i i managed to 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 not like have it throw me out uh down onto the ground but uh mm-hmm. recently i was like looking at the chair uh, this was last uh-huh. night. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah. okay, can I replicate that tomorrow? And in the process of doing it, I basically like f- completed ripping apart the metal, joining the two things. And I was like, well, guess I'm not sitting in that tomorrow. So instead, so what are you sitting on? I am sitting on, and uh, I should preface this by saying i do have a blanket and a pillow on top of it oh okay that's better yeah but but i am sitting on a bucket is it like one of those big five gallon ones from home depot yeah like is it a pretty sturdy bucket five gallon and uh i have a gamma seal lid on the top okay yeah so just in case everybody wanted to know what the hell has been going on with our podcast and why we can't get an episode out, this is what we're dealing with behind the scenes. Good I times. I mean, it's been like illness, uh, technical issues, your chair is broken, but we're going to make it happen today. Yeah. We are we are finally going to get through this goddamn episode. That I hate, and I hate that we have to talk about it for a second time. Hey, but, I mean, at this point, we can just, like, talk about it anyway, right? Any way we want. And it, 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 Yeah, this is the, uh, this is the silly, silly episode. Yeah, because I kind of remember last week you were, you were saying something like, you know, instead of approaching this segment by segment, can't, mm-hmm. Maybe we could just talk about it thematically. I was like, yeah, sure. And then we just yeah. talked about it segment by segment. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean. I, which yeah, which, which I, is I an easy go to. And that's probably just, you know, what we'll slip into now. This is this episode of Unsolved Mysteries that we've been trying to release um, has one theme, sort of, at least according to them. Yeah. It's one theme. This is Mysteries of the Afterlife. Yep. 
That's, now, <laughs> that's the theme. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons, and I mentioned this last time we, we recorded, one of the reasons I really didn't want to talk about this episode is because I didn't want to be forced to weigh in on what I think happens after we die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which inevitably we're going to have to do here in a very roundabout way as we talk about ostensibly there's three segments here but they're the middle two no the first and the third are connected by um dr billy roll the 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 first and the third yep yeah dr billy roll who was also uh way back in season one was also interviewed for the queen mary segment uh, it, it, you may remember him as Doctor William Roll. No, he has... Doctor Billy Roll. <laughs> you make him sound um, like he's from. I don't know. I, I don't. If I any state I mention will feel offended, uh, but I mean he has an English accent, which is like I feel. Yeah. I I can't recall precisely, but I think I did express at the time like. Oh, well, you know, having an English accent automatically makes you sound more credible to... Uh... Right. Well, he is he is a famous and renowned parapsychologist. Like, this is, this is a guy that Fox Mulder would have, like, gone to for his opinion on something. He wouldn't have been one of the lone gunmen, but he would have been, uh, you know, a, a Fox Mulder associate. They put the whammy on him. Don't you think? Um... I, I think that certainly so. I like the the episode where they're trying to find like a missing woman or something. And mm-hmm. that do you remember that there was that like charlatan psychic type guy? He he appeared like a couple of times um mm-hmm. in the in the series. And then this one he showed up because like the you know uh to give typical like psychic you know, uh, information on where the missing person is was like, oh, they're going to be located within X miles of a river and da da da. But mm-hmm. the thing was, is like before he was uh, gave this thing, he walked into the room with Motor Scully and local P- PD. And mm-hmm. he's like, there's someone here who's a disbeliever and it, it's. It's giving a, a bad vibe. And he points to Mulder. It's like, you have to wait outside. <laughs> yeah, that's so, I do remember that. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, because like the first thing Mulder did after the guy left was go up to the sheriff who was like, wow, he's actually provided some real concrete details, unlike you guys. And Mulder was like, look, every landmark I'm sure he told you is is going to be <laughs> can be found anywhere in this county. Um, yeah. 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 I, you know, it was interesting when when Mulder decided to be reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> right well i mean he doesn't want like he doesn't want the charlatans to, to give a i mean it, it's like uh people you know uh different types of conspiracy theorists who who dislike the mm. more outlandish ones because they feel like it yeah. makes them look bad <laughs> right i mean uh what is what's your favorite outlandish conspiracy conspiracy theory? So not like a real one. Okay. Okay. I mean, and when I'm saying like a real conspiracy theory is like MK Ultra, 
was an actual CIA program. There's documentation on that. Like a lot of people were like, okay, Ken Kesey's out of his mind. This is conspiracy theory. But all of that ended up being true, right? And then you have a whole men who stare at goats situation. That was all part of that. All real, all happened. But um, so if that's a real conspiracy theory or like the FBI, FBI murdered MLK or, uh, you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. You know, all the real conspiracy theories. What would be, <laughs> what would be a more outlandish one? What's your favorite? Like, like so you're ta- you're asking for like the, the 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 sort of conspiracy theory where, um, like like for an iteration of one that's that's actually out there in a miasma that, yeah, that that entertains you, I guess. Or that you find plausible, but I'm looking for more entertainment factor here. I don't get any entertainment out of the tragedies that so many people have suffered, Crystal, and I'm shocked that you would ask such a question. No. Look, I'll, okay, I'll I'll start. Okay, if you're going to be difficult, I'll start. My favorite is that my favorite conspiracy theory is that the moon isn't real. Okay. Okay. Like it's not real. Like it's a projection. On like a, a giant dome or. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is this, uh, is this, uh, <laughs> is this sort of part and parcel with the, the, the flat earth stuff? Typically? I think it's, I think it's related. Okay. I think it's related. Yeah. Although I think there's a lot of flat earthers that would say this is nonsense. Right. This is like another level of that. And I think probably within the flat earth community, there's probably a lot of division on whether or not the moon is real. Like, I feel like a lot of flat earther people are going to be like, yeah, of course the moon is real, but it is uh, stationary or something. Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't, I mean, I listen, I, I have gone down the rabbit hole with flat earth stuff, trying, trying my damnedest to understand what they think is going on. Yeah, and I, I've listened to some. Ep- I've really tried. I have really, really tried because I find it fascinating. But I just like my brain shorts out. I can't. I can't. I've, I've listened to some so. episodes of Oh No with Ross and Carrie about that. It's yeah. interesting yeah. stuff. I they had a, they had someone on who was just like they were being, I think, reasonably polite to him. Uh, They're very good about that. Yeah. Yeah. They try to come in very non-judgmental because I think like me, they just really want to understand. Right. Where people are coming from with this stuff, you know? But this guy was just like, so like, I don't know, like he was not a good guest uh, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, because he was like, you know, you guys are, you know, making fun of me. and And I was just like listening to it while driving around at work many years ago i was like mm. what are you talking mm. about they have been nothing but like charitable to you you nutcase yeah yeah anyway yeah so what's your favorite conspiracy theory so, wait then so favorite conspiracy theory or favorite yeah. outlandish or i yeah no favorite outlandish one like you can't pick one that is real <laughs> <laughs> like the ones i listed as quote unquote real so um, I'm still not sure I understand the criteria. Do you mean like <laughs> <laughs> All it right. can't be uh, about like a real 
thing with people and you know like real life pe- people and stuff or yeah or it could be something like um there was a second shooter the jfk assassination oh okay like um i guess <clears throat> i guess i think what you're asking for um mm-hmm. uh and what i was had mentioned uh so many minutes ago what mm-hmm. um I would I guess I would have to say I I'm always fascinated by the the one guy who claims that no planes were used on September 11th they were actually holograms projected on missiles um Oh that's that's really interesting. Yeah. I find that I find that dude kind of interesting. I mean and he, he mm-hmm. kind of he perfectly sums up the cuz you know, I guess he's really divisive in that community because there are many people who believe he's like a plant by the New World Order to make them look ridiculous. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but then I'm I assume there are people who sincerely believe him, and uh, and you know whatever. Um, so yeah, that 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 one's kind of interesting to me, like. <laughs> I mean, if that guy really believes that, that's that's an interesting position to take. Yeah, and and combine that with the moon isn't real people um, who uh, believe that the visual of the moon is also a holo- hologram or holograph, hologram. Yeah. Um, how how powerful do you, do they must believe holographic? technology is oh that's a good point because they're both yeah you're you're right they're both going off the the hologram uh right i I mean certainly they're uh i wouldn't say they're they're not saying it's like star trek the next generation level necessarily but i i feel like there's plenty of sci-fi films where we've had i mean we're talking at least total recall right Mm-hmm. Where like it can mm-hmm. you know, it can make it something that looks literally real, um, and I, I mean I suppose like, yeah I, I mean I guess Disney's had pretty good holographic technology since like the late eighties, but if you've been alive for let's say forty years, clearly as a child you have to remember like the moon being up there, yeah so. So you must think that this technology has actually been in use much longer. Oh my goodness, you're right because uh, it would have been during the, <coughs> the entire duration. Of, so <coughs> hologram technology has actually been super advanced before we even had uh, before we even had smartphones or yeah. or. Co- or home computers that operated off more than eight megabytes of RAM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, I guess if I really cared to dive back into that um, dumpster fire of a theory, uh, I'm sure they have lots of explanations for that. But the other thing is, um, you know, I, I would be a little bit curious about, you know, the moon does not appear the same way to everyone all over the planet all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's cloud cover. Sometimes it comes up at, you know, moonrise is different times at different places. Um, but, and then also the moon is visible during the day and because of the sun, which I'm pretty sure the moon isn't real. People do think the sun exists. Um, if it was a holographic projection, 
you would not be able to see the moon during the day as you often can because the light from the sun would cancel out any sort of projection. Oh, interesting. I see. So I, anyway, I am looking at Dr. William Roll's uh, (laughs) unsolved mysteries wiki page Mm -hmm. here. And uh, while it lists his place of birth as Bremen, Germany, he he died in normal Illinois. <laughs> what the? He died in a place called Normal. Wait, he's dead. Yeah, he 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 did. He died in 2012. So I I I would have assumed he would have taken the opportunity to contact some of his associates to give them give them the evidence they need. To... Right. I I'm expecting to hear from. Dr. William Roll from Beyond yeah. the Grave. Okay, so maybe we should talk about this uh, episode. Kind of yeah, yeah right. I mean, yeah. we've talked around it. Um, so, yeah, thematically, there's a couple of things going on, but it's all concerning the afterlife. And, and one of them, uh, the first segment is ostensibly about a near death experience, the second segment is about. Uh, signs uh, from a deceased loved one. Mm-hmm. And the third one is kind of just about ghosts. Ghosts, yeah. It's uh, we When we attempted to record this previously, we noted it was sort yeah. of like they Unsolved Mysteries, they promised us some Mysteries of the Afterlife episode. They had mm-hmm. two segments um, that you, you could plausibly say fit the bill in some way. Mm-hmm. But then... They're like, we need a third. It's like, uh, well, just shove a ghost segment into there. <laughs> well, I mean, this there's maybe this is levels of the afterlife. There's nearly being dead. Okay. There's there's uh the grief after someone is gone. Yeah. Uh, and then there's your house being fucking haunted. Okay. Right, those are the three <laughs> levels, maybe. You've you've obviously put more thought into this than the producers of Unsolved Mysteries did at the time. I am I'm trying to help tie it all together here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe maybe we start at the beginning. I didn't. I wanted to do this in a very loosey goosey way, but I think probably the easiest thing to do is talk about it segment by segment, if if only briefly. All right. Yeah. Let's um, let's talk about. Okay. What the hell was his name? Dillian? Danyon. Danyon Brinkley. Danyon. <laughs> Dan- Danyon. Danyon? Danyon? Um, Danyon. Not like Danon, not like the yogurt brand. Danyon. <laughs> okay. Danyon. Um, he is very much from South Carolina. Um, so anyway... <laughs> 1975 he is 25 years old he has just returned from vietnam he is standing in his kitchen on a corded telephone uh because that's the only kind of telephone that existed at the time and uh his wife is in the other room and the reenactment shows them watching a news broadcast about a, a very powerful storm coming through their area and i guess daniel decides to call his buddy and um, tell him about the storm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His buddy Tom and be like, how about this shit? 
Well, while he's on the phone with Tom, his buddy, um, something happens. Uh, no one really outright says that he was hit by lightning. Do they? But it's implied. Yeah. He, yeah. Okay. A couple of things. So in the re- this is my favorite part of the, the episode, and we've now discussed it multiple times, but he gets hit by lightning. And in the reenactment, dude flies out of the kitchen. Like, because there aren't any doors, also previously discussed, flies out of the kitchen and gets knocked into the bedroom or something. Mm -hmm. And so the reenactment is just him getting blasted across the room. And he got hit with so much electricity that it melted his shoes to the ground. Now, first and foremost... Look, I've I've never been hit by lightning. I've never seen someone hit by lightning. Um, a shock of that level might cause you to fall backwards a few feet. But this, I, I think it's very important to understand that a shock of electricity is not the same thing as a bomb going off. So um. there. So there's not as there's not a a bunch of uh, air pressure force typically in an event like this. Okay, it's not like a bomb going off where you're getting knocked backwards. But th- this isn't MythBusters, and it's not trying to be. And who cares? So <laughs> anyway, so Daniel's out cold. His wife Sandy, his wife at the time, because we don't we don't know if Sandy sticks around for the rest of this. Um, Sandy comes in and is trying to resuscitate him. I guess, uh, Tom, who had been on the phone with Danian, decides to drive over. Which is interesting because, um, the way it plays out in the segment, you'd get the impression that he was just a few houses over or something. (laughs) Right. And, and then I was thinking about last time we recorded this, we're like, what, this is insane. Why didn't they call 911? Right? Like, wouldn't that be the first call you make? Oh, uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> then, then I remembered, because it was a Trivial Pursuit question, as I was playing a couple months ago with my friends, that 911 didn't really functionally exist in most parts of the country until the late 80s. Oh, okay. I So it was only some, like, municipalities that had a 911 system. Is that why I kind of feel like I have vague memories of in my early childhood of people like of like commercials and stuff getting the word out about 911? Yes. Yes. It was in our lifetimes that it went from being like in um, you know, only 70% of the country to like 95% of the country. Yeah. That had 911 services. That was in our lifetimes. So I was like being very critical. I'm like, well, why didn't they just call me? Well, there probably wasn't a 911 to call. So anyway, uh, Sandy's doing the CPR. Tom comes over. Uh, so according to Daniel, he at this point sees his body. He is up out of his body. He can see the people trying to resuscitate him. And then as he's having this experience, um, he, you know, he goes down the tunnel with the light and all that stuff. Um, and then he has a vision of every person he has ever encountered. And so unsolved mysteries starts showing us, uh, and, and Daniel, as he's narrating this, as he's, he was a kid, he was kind of a bully. 
Um, then some things get glossed over here, but he says while he was in Vietnam, uh, he things he was also a bully there. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, right. And so as they're showing these faces of everyone he's ever encountered, you know, there's like, you know, there's uh, kids and then there's adults and then there's definitely a Southeast Asian person. Um, there's some, there's some guy with, with a blue headband. That's kind of fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, we don't really know. These are just stand-ins for every person he's ever encountered. Yeah. Now, I, I often uh, I wondered when I watched this where they they consulted him and they try like each of these people actually represents someone's spe- spe- specific that. There you go. <laughs> thank you. That uh, Danian distinctly recalls having wronged in his life. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like. I I I both kind of want to know and don't want to know because uh, yeah yeah I, I get I hear uh, especially the Vietnam portion what atrocities he was specifically responsible for um but anyway so Danian's having this vision okay so then all right he gets to the hospital and um now at this point they're interviewing his friend Tom who's still his friend I guess. And was there that night. And the doctors had told Tom and Sandy, like, look, it's really touch and go right now. We don't we don't know if he's going to make it. Um, and then I guess they they at some point pronounced him dead, according to Danian. Accord- and all of this because no medical records were ever produced or given to the producers of Unsolved Mysteries, Robert Stack keeps having to qualify this whole story with, like, according to Daniel, or so he says, okay? So we don't actually have any proof that he was pronounced dead. But anyway, <laughs> they stick his body in some side room, and they cover it with a sheet, and Tom says, you know, he had, he wanted to go say goodbye, and so he went in the side room to stand by his friend. And at that point, he noticed notices Daniel is breathing under the sheet. Mm-hmm. And um, so then the doctor comes back and they're like, I can't believe it. And so then Daniel has some kind of recovery period. And then he has to like leave the hospital um, with like the, his, the welder's goggles because his <laughs> eyes are so sensitive to light. Yeah. Um, you know, that th- that's fun. I mean, not 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 yeah. the uh, what happened to his eyes, but wearing those goggles. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like Cyclops, as we said, um, it's definitely a look. <laughs> it's definitely a look. Uh, and so Daniel says that during that time he was dead. That he not only did he see everybody he'd ever met, but he had seen um these 13 f- figures who like opened these briefcases to show him uh 213 wait like, 113 <laughs> thousand dollars because this yeah. is this is afterlife deal or no deal <laughs> exactly so they they, they that, open these like suitcases <laughs> that would be fun wouldn't it if in the afterlife yeah. it's like 
the side, you know, how blissful your afterlife is going to be is going to be determined by this game. <laughs> so, you know, currently we got you at 150,000. That's a really nice house. Yeah. Um, but that's not what's in the briefcases. The briefcases are little videos of like the Berlin Wall falling down and the war in I- Iraq in 1991. <laughs> yes, the 1991 <laughs> war in Iraq, which, uh, yeah, which, which is, which is, um, in the past for the viewers, uh, and, uh, of this segment. When did, when did, cause he, he had a book, right? Danian? Yeah, he wrote a book. When, when when did the book come out? I'm assuming it's after all this stuff, historical stuff actually happened. Um, I can tell you. Hold on. Let me just open this convenient link hmm. provided by the wiki. Yeah. Uh, it's called Saved by the Light, and it was written in 1994. Yes. So it came out. Um... Oh, the book was adapted for a 1995 Fox TV film with the same name starring Eric Roberts. Interesting. Eric Roberts. Um, interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to that. see that. Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> it's yeah. It was, it was published in 1994. So probably pretty shortly before they interviewed him for the segment. And, and most importantly, after all those earth shattering things, like the <laughs> events happened, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming his book doesn't mention anything about a second Iraq war. About nine no. eleven, about the two thousand eight global financial crisis. Yeah, you know, would would have been would have been nice to have some warning on a few of those things. Just saying, yeah, Daniel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't in one of his hundred and thirteen future occurrences that he was shown by the thirteen powerful beings of light. Just wasn't in there. Um. So anyway, Daniel, he's out of the hospital. He's in recovery. Um, he is, uh, about a year after the accident, he goes, uh, he's still wearing those goggles <laughs> a year afterwards, I guess. And he goes to this, uh, lecture by a guy named Raymond, Dr. Raymond Moody, um, who has studied near death experiences. And, um, so, so this is a 1976, we recall where we started the story was 1975. And at that time, Daniel told dr moody that the soviet union would fall in 1990 and dr moody was like sold this guy's the real deal he's fucking psychic i don't need to hear anything else and i guess he Daniel has you know mentioned uh a lot of other things over the years that have come to pass um so allegedly Daniel is now using his or was in the 90s using his psychic abilities to help others i'm also going to assume at some point his wife got sick of his shit and left because she's not mentioned <laughs> or interviewed and um one of the ways he's helping others is presumably by writing this book about here's near death experience so this was actually quite a long segment and um this is where dr billy roll gets involved <laughs> Um, and what he does is he has Danian give quote unquote readings for eight people that Danian had never met before. Okay. Um, and at that point, Dr. Roll was convinced that Danian was the real thing. So during this time of this, of unsolved mysteries, the show, they actually interview, um, a real, uh, neuro, is she a neurologist? 
Uh, she's someone who's actually real. Yes, I, I can't recall. Neuropsychologist, some, or something. Something. She's, yeah. She actually studies the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And so what she says um, is that you know there's a lot of commonalities in near-death experiences. That's why people tend to explain them the same way. And the reasoning for this is, you know, as you are dying, your brain gets flooded with a lot of endorphins, um, serotonin and adrenaline. And this kind of takes you out of your body. So you not you're not feeling because your body is having a trauma, right? It's about to die. You're not feeling the pain, right? So it's a sort of calm, beautiful feeling, but because all of those chemicals are flooding your brain, it starts to affect the uh, cells in your eyes. So your pupils get really dilated. And what happens is, is your field of vision shrinks, but your uh, vision right in front of you becomes very bright, thus giving you the like tunnel with the light at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And this is all observable phenomenon. You know, they've looked at people's brains, you know, they've done interviews and so basically where she leaves it is like, look, this is your brain dying. And this is what it looks like. This is why you feel this peaceful feeling. Um, this is why you have all these memories that come flooding back is because all of these synapses are firing because you have all these like endorphins rushing through your body. And this is why you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's all very explainable. And she says very charitably, she says, but look, if people survive this experience and they come back feeling changed and they want to become better people, then you don't you don't really need this explanation that I'm giving you. They've had a profound, and they're ascribing it to spiritual experience. And if it means they come back and they want to be better people, that's great. Good for them. Like, I'm happy for them. Um, and then they immediately cut back to, like, William Roll, who's like, yeah, all right, I don't think I really need an explanation for this. I just, like, like it's magic. <laughs> Basically, he's... <laughs> He's like, I, you know, you can, you can have your little explanations, you can have your little science, but I think some things are just, I don't need that explanation. And then Daniel is like, well, yeah, maybe that's what's happening to some people, but I've evolved past that. I'm a psychic. <laughs> this made me a psychic and I can see the future and that other people might, you know, that's what's happening. It's just their brain is dying. So they're seeing all this stuff, but it's because I'm actually a psychic. And I'm like, well, you kind of still sound like rude. <laughs> it sounds like this experience didn't change you that much. Right. Yeah. Um, not enough to prevent you from trying to pitch a book. So. Yeah. I mean, that's really, uh, that's really the theme. <laughs> this this episode now to unsolved mysteries credit they do not plug his book on the episode thank god yeah they don't do that but obviously he got in touch with unsolved mysteries because his book agent or whatever thought this was a place to like raise his profile to get some more books right so so um what do you think here is he you know has he evolved past that um, is, he, is he still alive? Um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything here about him having passed. So yeah, you know, I just think it would be really great if he could continue to use his psychic abilities to I don't know warn us about stuff because yeah. he apparently it was so great about that for everything prior to when his book came out. I would like now. That's what well, I this think. Is, 
this is the thing. I I think it's very suspect when people want to claim, like in a very Rasputin type manner, uh, claim that they can see these massive world events mm-hmm. um, in the future. Now, I think anyone who is paying sort of any attention to the news, even in the 70s, could probably see that the situation in the Soviet Union wasn't so great and probably not sustainable. So that the Soviet Union fell, I don't think was really that surprising. I mean, maybe I'm like retconning something here, but I don't think it was that surprising to most people that it fell as quickly as it did is surprising. So if Danian was correct in getting the year right, then that's notable. But I think it would be more impressive if if some of these 113 future occurrences were to people were about people on a like personal level. So something like um him seeing his wife going to the bank and getting assaulted at the ATM or something and then being able to prevent that from happening. I think that would be sort of more impressive, but if all of your revelations are based around like world events, it's like, well, yeah, everyone can read a newspaper (laughs) and make some educated guesses about things. And I, you know, of those 113 future occurrences, okay, maybe he got four of them, right? What about the other 109? Did those ever come to pass? I could probably write down 113 future predictions about the state of the world 20 years from now and get quite a few of them right. Does it make me a psychic, you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think we have about (laughs) an equal level of skepticism on this one. Yeah, I don't know. It just... uh, I think there's a real danger in going around and promoting yourself as a psychic, especially now as he's doing he's or at least in the nineties, he was going to nursing homes and hospice centers to try and tell people about the afterlife. Now, provided he was saying, you know, I've had this experience and you have nothing to fear. That can be very comforting. But if he's trying to be like, I can see your uh, aunt Sandy is <laughs> waiting for you on the other side. And I think that's really manipulative and it's not cool. so do you think like he's loitering loitering around until after the person expires and then he like goes into their room real quickly and roots around their their drawers (laughs) okay maybe i'm going a little too outlandish um Mm -hmm. maybe maybe he's just like when he's there and he's giving all all his um readings uh, mm-hmm. maybe that he's also has a little stack of his books with them. <laughs> yeah, I, or he's handing them out to like the family members of the recently deceased. I think I think uh, this could because th- this could benefit you greatly. Twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what his game is. I know that there definitely is a game mm-hmm. with him, and I don't like it. So. All right, let's move on to to uh, All right. other people. So this is a beyond the grave situation, right? Yeah. What was her name? Um Karen Walker. Karen Walker. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she uh she, Karen Walker she, and moving on. <laughs> she died. Uh very unfortunate. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, she's very young. She uh, she had a really rare type of cancer, and she died when she was like twenty or twenty one or something like that. Yeah, yeah, very er- yeah. early on. She she had ostensibly had plans to marry some guy who she had been tutoring, and I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she used to kick him when he wouldn't focus. This is very important. Right. Because then he yeah. he he apparently sensed a k- kick after her passing. Mm-hmm. So he interpreted that mm-hmm. as that was her, you know, like uh, reaching out to him, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, her parents, incredibly grief stricken, can't blame them. It's a very tragic event. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, as as you pointed out, unfortunately, um, but as you pointed out in our last recording, unfortunately, mm-hmm. this this led them to to go to every psychic <laughs> out there trying. Yeah, they to- went psychic shopping, basically looking for someone who was going to tell them what they wanted to hear until they found one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess that means like. I guess, you know, if you keep going to psychics and they're all throwing out their BS, like, you know, uh, code readings, eventually one would mm-hmm. one would like stumble upon the right collection of stuff. And uh, they found one who mentioned three musketeers. Well, apparently mm-hmm. Karen and her parents used to refer to themselves collectively as that. Yeah. And can I tell you how I think this may have gone down in a cold reading situation? Yeah, tell me. Okay, so um, one of the things that Jean Walker, who's Karen's mother, was emphasizing is that when that uh, Karen, who's an only child, they used to read the Three Musketeers together. Okay. And I was they used to call them their little family used to call themselves the Three Musketeers. Okay, great. Um, here's what I think may have happened. So Reverend George Daisley, who initially, after the Walkers contacted him, said he was too busy but then oh wait the spirits say i must talk to you right now which we all know like he was not that busy no (laughs) (laughs) this is just part of the pitch right yeah um so the reverend probably did something like he's like okay so um you know so you know you're asking about your daughter and um Okay, Jean and Tom, right. So just your so your daughter passed away. Okay. Um, did she have any siblings? Um, they said no, no, she was only child. And then and then he may have just said something like, Oh man, so it's like you guys were tight, you were like the three musketeers. <gasps> That's which it. Is, That's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is not an uncommon thing to say. It is a common literary reference if you're referring to three people in a close relationship. Yes. This is not this is not some obscure, you know, like Kurt Vonnegut reference here. <laughs> this is like been it, in popular literature for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. right? The eighteen hundreds or whenever three musketeers. Well, and, and has been, you know, just just in general like culture. I'm sure that expression has been used many times in TV shows and movies. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, this is not uh, I think he you know, in his cold reading, he just kind of hit on that by luck. Which is how this all works, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, they they latched on to that, um, you know, and so then the reverend goes on to tell them, oh, she's with you now, and she's no longer in pain, she's at peace, 
et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, they, I guess he identified the spirit as Karen said her birthday was on January 12th or whatever. And then he accurately described two photographs of Karen as a child. Okay. Let me describe Karen, any child, a picture of any child in the 1960s. Okay. You know, was there a toy bike? Did she have pigtails? Oh my God. Like, you know, so. <laughs> wow. It's like you saw. Was, she in, was she in a jumper? I'm seeing a jumper. I'm seeing pigtails. I'm seeing a toy bike. Did you, did you take a trip to the beach? Did she, did she build a sandcastle? And then she did, was she all sandy for the rest of the day? Like, you know, these are just, come on. Mm-hmm. You know what I should do is I should be the con. I think I might be kind of good at it. <laughs> I, I feel like you, I feel like you would. Uh, I think I can do a cold reading here. There's only so many di- different ways people can behave. I had a teacher say that to me once when I was like describing some incredible coincidences. He was like, Crystal, there's only so many ways people are going to behave. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you have a point. <laughs> and right there, that was like the beginning of me being a, you know, a skeptic. Right. Mm. So there are plenty of coincidences but it's because there's only uh, there's a limited number of ways any human can behave right yes. it's not an infinite it's limited so anyway so uh gene walker wrote a book and as a better daughter yes uh, what was the name of the book again it was um it was Finding always Karen. Always no, Karen. It's always Karen. Yeah. yeah. Now, as I mentioned in our previous attempt to record this episode, I find this book far less egregious than I normally do about book situations, because yeah. I can see where um, it would be very therapeutic uh, for someone to. Just to, to do any sort of, sort of thing creative in describing or, yeah. or, you know, like reminiscing about the, a lost loved one. So uh, this one, right. I, this one I give a pass to. OK. Yeah, I th- I I think, you know, as she, you know, Jean Walker's writing from her own experience with losing a loved one, um, you know she's not making a profession out of contacting people beyond the grave. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Well, Robbie, finally we've done near death experiences. We've done beyond the grave. Do you want to talk about the, the final chapter, the next level of being dead, which is haunting a little girl <laughs> persistently yes yeah and, and and not alone either lots of other ghosts and entities yeah, you bring, are you, you're bringing friends <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically house party but yeah <laughs> but with Go. weird old dude ghosts <laughs> i don't know right uh yes uh, this this is one of the most famous i think unsolved mysteries ghost segments uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've talked to a lot of people who kind of distinctly remember this one as like when yes. when the topic of unsolved mysteries comes up and ghosts, a lot of people mention this one. Um, this is uh, Heidi Heidi Weinick Weirick Weirick yes yeah Heidi. Well, and I also I also want to mention that this 
was on the Unsolved Mysteries Ghosts DVD that we watched one mm-hmm. night many years ago that kind of led to the idea that we should do a podcast. Wow. Origin story. Yeah. And I that's why I called you up like the next week and I'm like, do you want to do a podcast with me about Unsolved Mysteries? Because I kind of thought it was going to be all ghosts and it hasn't been. <laughs> Been ghosts. Far from it. Yes, it's, it's. I thought it would be all big feet and ghosts, and it's just been a lot of murder. It's, yeah, that's the thing. I think when you look back with rose tinted spectacles as a kid, and you're like, man, yeah. that show was so scary. So many ghosts. So many big feet. Right. So many UFOs. And then I think what we've learned watching this is the ratio is. If if you're lucky, there's a ghost mm-hmm. segment or UFO, um, or or if it's a Halloween special, they might ostensibly do a, a, a all ghosts episode. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's mostly just a lot of murder. Um, yeah, and a lot of lost loves, which I've come to appreciate over time. But um, yeah, we did we didn't sign up to do a true crime podcast. Just so everyone knows, that is ostensibly what this is. Um, but we w- just wanted to talk about weird shit. <laughs> we did not want to try and solve anybody's murder. So, yeah, no. Um, big revelation there. Anyway, yeah. so <laughs> Heidi is, uh, she's a, a young girl who apparently sees ghosts all the time, mostly ghosts of like, older middle to older aged uh white males in business suits <laughs> yeah <laughs> or 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 uh, you know ones who have their hand wrapped in bandages because of some injury um it's kind of that uh, always strikes me as a little strange that what was his name con would uh uh-huh. Would always cut, would choose some bachelor, yeah. Would would choose to manifest in that that manner, right. or maybe he doesn't have a choice. Maybe that's just um, what he most distinctly remembers from that property. But yeah, Heidi, she, her parents at first, I guess, are like, oh, imaginary. She has imaginary friends, <laughs> imaginary friends who are like older men uh, who are mm-hmm. like uh, wearing business suits. <laughs> I I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Anyway, she you know like one of them's Mr. Gordy, who I think is like the former property owner, right of the of the house. Yeah, he had lived he lived there. Yeah, uh, tells he, he like when she encounters his ghost, his ghost tells her all about the history of the property. <laughs> it's like I used to live yeah. right there, and there was blah blah blah. And, and then the uh, con was, you know, he came to the front door with a gruesome hand and in- injury, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to like go on the swing set or something?" And so Heidi goes and tells her mom about it. Her mom, reasonably enough, freaks out, thinking someone's going to kidnap her daughter, and runs out in the front, and there's no one there, no one there at all. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't just that he was had a gruesome hand injury; it's that his apparition is covered in blood. Yeah, but Heidi was, like, very chill about it, apparently. She was just like, there is someone at the door, and he was covered in blood, and he didn't have a hand. Well, he gives a very, um, I mean, he has a very calm demeanor, 
Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so. Despite the fact he has a gruesome injury. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, this is where William Rowe, uh, at some point, he's going to intrude on these proceedings because we have like a couple, we have a reenactment of her pointing out pictures and stuff because someone mm-hmm. shows the mom the property records and it's like, what? There was an act, there, there really was a gore, something Gordy. Um, yeah. Uh, and so. Heidi apparently is able to pick out the the pictures of him in the reenactment, which I feel kind of works with your thing about code reading. Like there's only, you know, you you lay out a bunch of pictures and in front of someone and it's like, if one of them is the picture of the guy, then you have at least a one in like 15 shot. Right. Yeah. And who's to say that, I mean, there's how we are seeing the reenactment, but who's to say there wasn't a little pushing and guiding going on well, during the actual... And really, how many how many of the pictures were of middle uh, to older-aged uh, white males in business suits as opposed to, like, pictures of people at the beach and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they could have had, like, a lot of uh, obviously wrong choices uh to sort of pad out the multiple choice <laughs> question as it were um and yeah and dr william roll of course he, he comes and does uh the similar sort of experiment and when heidi bats a thousand is like well there you go she mm-hmm. she says she's the genuine article and i should know i've met a few <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is, uh, the, this segment is pr- pretty well known, like enough that like the Wyricks have appeared in numerous sort of ghost related programming. I remember seeing some sort of like a catch up of the, uh, with them, uh, somewhere in the, the early to mid aughts. And by that point, mm-hmm. Heidi was... You know, she she's she was like a teenager or in her early twenties. I don't know if she was necessarily working at Dairy Queen, but I feel like she was working at some place Dairy Queen like. Um, mm-hmm. And they're talking about like talking about how like a lot of her contemporary aged kids from high from school were kind of like make fun of her because of the ghost story stuff. And the the like there's 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 some allusions to like how her her sister is starting to see ghosts now too, and then when they interview really yeah oh god yeah like I guess it runs in the family um, oh jeez yeah so and then when they interview the mom the mom talks about like. How Heidi clearly has an important role to play in in a battle between good spiritual battle between good and evil. Which, well, did you, we meant, did we mention the shadow person? Well, and the, that she started seeing and, after her her sister or brother was born or something. The last time we recorded this, when I said that line, that's when you brought up the shadow person, and as I was hoping, you did again. Because yes, oh, see, this is what I'm saying. There's only so many ways people can behave. Yeah. Uh, because the 
the second, the first half of this segment is like, oh, this little girl seeing ghosts, and it's all very well and pleasant. But then the second half is like, it starts talking about a shadow person, a sort of a figure whose face is kind of blotted out. Yeah. Um, he. The, this this entity is a uh, I guess a much more menacing presence. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's scratching people. He scratched Heidi yeah. allegedly, and then the the father I guess woke up with scratches uh, on him. Which I guess the first time that happened, his reaction was like, "Well, that damn cat's sleeping outside now." Uh, yeah. But subsequently, they the scratches kept happening. Uh, I I have a particular editorial perspective on all this. Please share. Okay. So originally Heidi had some imaginary friends in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And just through circumstances, maybe the, the the imaginary friends were were people and not like a rabbit or whatever. And the and the people yeah. were adults. And just through you know, circumstances, eventually it start, starts to get fed into her that like, oh, are these the ghosts of the people who used to live here? And like sort of like a, it's a feedback loop. She starts like tailor, t- tailing, tailing, tailoring. Yes. Her. her I'm going to blame this on the bucket <laughs> that you're sitting on. Well, that's very charitable of you uh, to her sort of imaginary friend scenarios to that, to those what's being sort of fed to her. And then that reinforces to the adults like oh, she, she's taught. She is. She's talking with the ghosts of the people who used to live here. And it, right. it's like a self-sustaining cycle. Right. Um, she was getting a lot of attention because of this. You know, adults are showing up, showing her pictures. Dr. William Rowe shows up of all people. So uh, as if that would have meant anything to her. Anyway. Right. Um, but then the mom gets pregnant because that's like the shadow person starts showing up around the time when her 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 sister her, her, her younger sibling gets born. Mm-hmm. And my conjecture is, you know, this younger sibling gets born. All of a sudden, there's all this attention being dumped on it. And yeah. Heidi, who is not only getting like only kid level of attention, but was now was mm-hmm. had been getting only kid plus our daughter sees ghost level of attention. Right. Is now not receiving that attention. And so, and I'm not saying like she, like, I mean, you know, if she comes to her parents about like yet another imaginary friend, who's just like another guy in a older guy in a business suit, she's just, they're going to be like, wait, okay. Yeah. You see that all the time. So somehow this, this new person is like a much, he's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He's menacing. He's bad. And he scratched her, right? She, she comes to the bedroom and she has scratches on her. And of course the, the parents give her all this attention because she's got scratches on, on her. And, uh, she's like, she's, you know, having this like dark entity is now bringing in, you know, the, the attention that had been laxing. This is basically like any 
if you watch any sitcom from the 90s halfway through when they bring in a new character right uh, i mean this this the shadow man might as well be uh what was his name what was his name cody from step by step or uh-huh. yeah <laughs> that's who the shadow deep, man deep pull. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's he's a real season four refresher mm-hmm. for heidi you know things are kind of getting a little dull and we need to spice it up um yeah, you know the other thing is, and uh, I meant I mentioned this the f- the first time we recorded. This is so weird to have to re-record an episode that we've already spoken about. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, it also makes it feel a little more rehearsed, which is not what we ever. We don't ever want to feel prepared. No. That's not what we're here to do. And I feel a little overprepared for this episode. But one of the things I had I had mentioned is that this shadow entity kind of rem- reminded me of this uh, shared um, hallucination of the hat man. Oh, yes. And and there is there are if you dig deep enough uh, into the bowels of Reddit or really the Internet anywhere, um, you will find uh, that children, but is pe- also people who use Benadryl recreationally um, in high doses to hallucinate, have all encountered this vision of the hat man. And it's a man, um, he's a shadowy figure, sometimes with red eyes, sometimes without, and he's wearing a wide brim hat. And for some reason, people over the world of all ages are like, drugs or no drugs are seeing the hat man. Hmm. So um, I think, you know, shadow people is a very common hallucination. Um, yeah. You know, um, um, you know, people can have hallucinations for whatever reason. I, I, I'm not sure Heidi is aware that she manufactured this. Yeah, no, I, I concur with that. I mean, when you're t- dealing with what, what, a four or five year old child. um. Yeah. I mean, especially because, like, if you're getting feedback from adults who are telling you, you see ghosts, I mean, you, you kind of, like, would start to believe that, like, sincerely. So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like how um, I keep hearing from my family that we have Cherokee ancestry. It's like, well, you keep telling me this. <laughs> I don't have any evidence of it, really. But, um. You know, it's that sort of thing. Uh, so, uh, and then they made a movie, right? Did you already mention? Yes, this this was. Um, it's one of those situation situations where the movie, quote unquote, is based on true life events. And I'm not even getting. I'm not. I'm not even saying that because obviously there's a questionable level of like, how much did this actually happen? But more just. The movie, and I haven't seen it, but it seems to like it very. Lo- they they basically it seems like what we have covered here and what Unsolved Mysteries covered mm-hmm. is really only about ten percent of this film, because there's like right. yeah it's just like it was just like okay we have a few pieces here and then they just took maybe like what they did was like they 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 took like a pre-existing script of some other ghost thing and then just slapped the mm-hmm. two together um uh, cuz the the film is um it's uh was it? a Connecticut haunting 2 ghost of georgia 
mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, just just a wonderful title. Uh, I yeah, and as I mentioned, Connecticut and Georgia are quite quite far apart, so I'm not really sure where the Connecticut. Well, I, I think I think what it is is like okay, they got the is that the brand of haunting? Is that the type of haunting <laughs> that it is? Is it Connecticut a Connecticut style haunting? <laughs> I um, what what would what kind of distinguishing features would you attribute to Connecticut? Right. I mean, not um, we wouldn't necessarily say like the syrup. That's more like a Vermont thing. Right. I don't I'm not even sure Connecticut exists. OK. OK. <laughs> but if I had to conjure some th- imagery, um, some maybe s- s- Yale is in Connecticut. Right. OK. Yeah. So maybe some Ivy, Ivy League kind of brick buildings, maybe mm. some older colonial type homes. Yeah. Um there's they got that New Haven style pizza. Mm. Mm. So just like pizza and people who went to Yale, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Um I don't think either of those are actually in the, in any of those uh, haunting uh, films. I think oh. I, I think my 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 inference is the studio they have the the rights to use the na- name Heidi Weirich and you know the uh-huh. the ghosts and all the ghosts and family associated with that, uh-huh. uh, and so. They, you know, they they gave the Weirich family however much money to be able to use that, and uh, <clears throat> well, so while they're tr- sort of developing this project, they probably came to the conclusion like, okay, this this has some value because there's a number of people from Unsolved Mysteries who will remember Mr. Gordy and stuff, but it's not really enough where it will get this feature over the hump into profitability. Now our studio does own the rights to the film <laughs> Haunting in Connecticut. So we're just going to make this one of the, the we're going to make this the sequel to it. And mm-hmm. even though even though of course this takes place in Georgia uh, mm-hmm. cuz I think like from what I could infer uh, a major portion of the of the film is about like I guess there was like the house there they're living on was part of the underground railroad or something, so there's oh. yeah yeah there's mm. yeah stuff that all sorts of stuff that that you didn't see in uh, the unsolved mystery mm-hmm. segment, mm-hmm. Uh, but th- like the thing is is like well how are but the 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 film clearly takes place in Georgia, and they're like we'll just call it Haunting in Connecticut too. Ghost of Georgia. No further explanation necessary, and that's how yeah. that's how decades from now we'll have like this this film series will have all sorts of different uh, all sorts of other states mentioned as well. So yeah, and or it'll be like a, ha- a hunting in Connecticut five, uh, Toronto, Canada. Ooh, uh, going haunted. international. All right. Yeah, I mean it, that would make even less sense. Um. Well, Robbie, yeah. do you think there's life after death after watching this episode? Well, the way you phrased that, it, and to my head, it sounded like you're asking whether this episode was providing <laughs> evidence of that. Uh, I I wouldn't necessarily base it off this this episode. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I got my suspicions and my hopes, and that's what I'll say. Well done. Uh, if people want to get a hold of us, <laughs> how can they do that? Well, if you get struck by lightning, you'll have a vision. <laughs> no, um, reenacted pod. Uh, you, that's our, what you can find us at Twitter or, uh, reenacted pod at Google mail or, um, you know, face, Facebook. And make sure when you, when you go to email us, you type in reenacted pod at Google mail.com. Yes. Yes. Not Gmail. Google mail. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I should have said gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, at Patreon, there's a five dollar tier and a, a and then a one dollar tier. You know. Yeah, and as always, I put the link to the to our Patreon in there and uh, in the episode okay. description. All right. Um, because Robbie needs a new chair, so please help. <laughs> he's sitting. The man is sitting on a. He's a grown man sitting on a bucket <laughs> to provide you entertainment. So just think about that tonight, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we've 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 shamed our audience enough for <laughs> one evening, I think. Uh, thank you for listening, and re- remember, for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Uh, perhaps that someone's watching, and perhaps it's you. 